Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome everyone to AEW Unrestricted, the official podcast of All Elite Wrestling. Tony Schiavone along with my longtime close personal friend, Aubrey Edwards. You get your name right every time. I, I love do. that. I'm very really good. good at getting my name right, which is good because it's not my real name, so I should be able to get it right. Well, there you go. We have very special guests. Aubrey, why don't you introduce him to us? Yes. So you're very, very excited to have Mr. Scorpio Sky here. Such a fantastic member of the AEW roster. Fantastic guy backstage. One of my favorite drinking buddies. Uh, <laughs> happy to have you here, Scorpio. <laughs> you don't drink anymore, though. I don't, but I find you highly entertaining. <laughs> Tequila Sky. And then, Tequila of course, Sky. my friend Tony Schiavone. Scorpio Sky! <laughs> Hope you guys are good. Yeah, You're good, great, good, man. good. Thanks. Speaking of great, uh, you recently just released your podcast, Wrestling with the Week. How's that been going? How did that all happen? Oh, it's going great. Having a lot of fun doing it. James and I are just, uh, we're at it every single week, man. I, I think one of the things that's really cool about the podcast is the fact that we didn't know each other when we started doing this. And I don't know of a lot of radio shows or podcasts where the two hosts are strangers. And we wanted to keep it that way because uh, we wanted to give the audience something different and they can listen to us get to know each other on the show every single week, which is so cool. I think that's really neat because one of the great things with podcasts is, I'm speaking from experience now having done this a year, is that you just really start to get in the groove and feed off of your co-host quite a bit and the audience will feel it, you'll feel it. And it's just one of those things that if you're having fun now, you're going to have even so much more fun later. So super proud of you. I've already subscribed, listened to a bunch of episodes. Really, really pumped, man. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone that has subscribed. I uh, hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, it's only going to get better. I'm excited to see where the show is going to be in six months, in a year, when we really get rolling, you know, and uh, just like you guys, you guys are doing a phenomenal job. Incredibly proud of you guys and uh, excited to be on this show, actually. Yeah, it's been a while. Like, I don't know why it took us this long to get you on here, but far too long. <laughs> It'll be greater later. That's what I always say. Greater later. Very cool. Uh, Scorpio, you were the, uh, you and Frankie, the first AEW tag team champions. And that's something we say before they can never take away from you. And, and I know that some guys say, oh, you know, it's just a storyline, just another storyline in my career. But was that special for you to be the very first AEW tag team champ? It was definitely special. You know, uh, growing up a huge fan of tag team wrestling, so many great tag teams when I was coming up. It was one of my goals, you know, and obviously it's no secret. I'm, I'm a huge Bret Hart mark. And, you know, when he won the tag team championship first, that was like kind of the launching pad for what, you know, the trajectory that he went on. And I would hopefully like to follow that path and being able to do it with one of my best friends, a guy that has helped me and mentored me from almost day one 
since I got into the business, Frankie Kazarian, who is uh, the consummate professional he is, and Christopher Daniels being in our corner. It was, it's something I'll never forget. I'm extremely honored that we were the first tag team champions. And yeah, 20 years from now, people will be able to look back and see that the first AEW World Tag Team Champions was SCU. Speaking of first tag team champion, you were also the first person to pin Chris Jericho in an AEW ring. So congratulations with that. Something that I am very, very happy to see. Uh, and that actually led to your championship match for the AEW World Championship with Chris Jericho. So what did wrestling someone like Chris Jericho mean for you? That was huge for me. Um, again, going back to my childhood, I was a huge Chris Jericho fan. I remember, I think like I was like my freshman year, sophomore year of high school, and just everyone thought I was so weird because I was walking around with a conspiracy victim sign and and I just had it with the arrow pointing down because that's what he was doing in WCW at the time. And I just loved every single thing he did and never really thought that he would be a guy I'd get in the ring with. And so when the opportunity presented itself, I was extremely excited, nervous, but I went through a few exercises going into that match that usually helped me. I used to do when I uh, was a fighter and that was visualization getting ready for that match. What I did a lot of was just laying on the floor and you can do it anywhere. And just visualizing the moment. I even went as far as to play his music on my phone and put myself in the moment of standing in the ring as he's walking to the ring and feel those emotions of being nervous and excited. And that way, when you do it in real life, you feel like you've already been there before. So it's not even, you know, there's nothing to be nervous about. And so that was one of those few matches that I actually prepared for. A lot of times, you know, you just show up and you get in there and you do what you do. But that was when I definitely took the time and um, prepared for it. I wish I could have been a little bit more in the moment and enjoyed it because, you know, as you know, we're week to week. A lot of times it's okay. And then on to the next, I, I wish I had just slowed down a little bit and, and enjoyed it. But I was so worried about like messing up and, and doing well that I didn't even <laughs> take that time, but I can enjoy it now. Talk a little bit about uh, Scorpio sky and, and those tag team matches. And we mentioned earlier that you were the first, uh, you and Frankie, the first AEW tag team champs. That happened in October of uh, 2019, uh, back when the world was a little bit uh, more saner than it is now. Talk about that for that uh, championship match, because working against the Lucha Brothers is pretty special. Yeah, I don't think anyone thought we were going to win that match either. I think a lot of the fans kind of saw us as a stepping stone for the Lucha Brothers and that it was just kind of going to be a coordination for them because they are a fantastic tag team. They're one of the best tag teams in the world currently. And uh, they're also two of the best singles wrestlers in the world. So it was kind of destined for them to step into that moment. Uh, and we just kind of messed it up. <laughs> and uh, I think, but I think it was a great full circle because if you go back to the beginning of that tournament, they injured Christopher Daniels. So he had to step out of it and I had to step up and take his place. It was a great story, I thought. And, um, you know, one of those things, again, <laughs> I wish I had enjoyed the moment a little bit more than I did. But fortunately, again, we can look back and enjoy all of those things that surrounded it with me wrestling with no shoe and, and then moving on to wrestle the Dark Order and then the Lucha Brothers in the finals. I remember when the shoe flew off and you ended up wrestling and heard somewhere you were concerned because you were wearing Nike shoes with Adidas socks and it was going to like out you as this like you're a bad sneaker mark because you weren't matching and I was like oh my god is that a thing I have to do like <laughs> you know it used to be not so much anymore it's not that big of a deal anymore but back in the day yeah, if you wore Nike and Adidas together people would kind of look at you sideways but 
now it's a lot more accepted. Good to know. That is good to know. So you hold on to the tag team belts until you go on to the uh, Jericho Cruise where you lose them to Kenny Omega and Hangman and a page in a classic match. How was it the experience on the boat there for you? That was my second Jericho Cruise. It, it was a lot of fun. I tell you this, though. I don't know why. Because when we, you know, we had some of those matches on the cruise, they were docked. So we weren't even out at sea. But I got so sick during that match. I mean, when I got back to the dressing room, I felt like I was going to throw up. It was one of the worst I had ever felt wrestling. And I don't quite know why. My body might have just been adjusting to wrestling on the ship or whatever it was. Fortunately, I don't think it affected the performance. I thought it was a, a good match. I haven't seen it, but I heard it was really good. And that makes me happy. Even when we lose, you know, you can't take anything away from Hangman, Adam Page, and, and Kenny Omega. They are also, you know, that's the thing about the tag team division in AEW. You can take guys that are two of the best singles wrestlers in the world, and they also become two of the best tag team or one of the best tag team wrestlers or teams in the world. And that's what's so special about the division and including the singles division. It's spectacular. Is there anything different you went into planning that match? Because I think that was actually our first ever taped show. And on top of that, it being outdoors. Is there any difference in you approaching that as a wrestler? I believe that was our first taped show. No, you just business as usual. You just go into it and, and you do what you do. You don't really want to deviate from the plan too much. I'm a big fan of, you know, wrestle or present a, a taped show like it's live. You know, you can do it live to tape and, and just, you know, nail it. We're not like actors, you know, where we can just, uh, you know, plan for months and months and months and, and learn scripts and that sort of thing and go out and do what we do. You know, we're, you know, especially when we have a live audience, which we had on that uh, cruise, you go out and you just nail it. And that's what we're trained to do. Scorpio, back in, uh, in January of uh, 2019, you, SCU, really some of the few, a few of the first signees to AEW. And I know you guys had had wrestled. I mean, you have been a, a champion in Hollywood wrestling. You've been a champion in Pro Gorilla Empire, Ring of Honor, Wrestle Circus. But now it's AEW. Talk about getting signed by AEW and also add into that too, if you would, your first meeting with Tony Khan. It's a lot harder at this level than people think. When you're on the indies or you're in wrestling school or whatever, your your entire goal is to get to the big company. You just feel like that's the destination and you, you scratch and you call and you work and you feel like once you get to the, the big company, you're on the top of the mountain. But the reality is the work starts when you get to the big company. All of the stuff that you did on your way up was a lot of fun, but that's, a, that's really what it was. It was a learning experience, but it was fun. Uh, once you get to the big company at this level, it's for one, it's a job uh, and it's a grind. And, uh, you know, it's a lot, a lot of work. And you realize once you get to that top of that mountain, there's another mountain that you have to climb. So that, that's kind of been my experience. It's an adjustment period. I'm on the job learning uh, the best I can. And I really still don't feel like I've presented the best of me. I, I you know, I, I think I've given or not so much given, but I feel like I've been able to present maybe only 75% of what I can truly do. And, and I'm hoping that I can get to a, a higher percentage as time goes, but it's just going to take some experience and, and time. As far as Tony Khan goes, I got to meet him, I believe it was right at the end of 2018 or the beginning of 2019. And this was obviously before I signed. And the moment I met him, I, I was sold. You know, I thought this guy, you know, has a, a vision. And for years, 
guys on the indies like myself always would wish like oh it was like a fantasy it was like god i you know i hope some millionaire comes along and starts a new wcw <laughs> and i swore i knew that like wcw went out of business right before i got in and i just knew that once i was done the next wcw was going to come i was ah. just going to miss it i just knew that's how it was going to happen because that's how things work for me fortunately it did not happen and you know when you know when i met tony khan i thought okay this this is going to work he's got a vision He's different from a lot of other guys that I've talked to that were like, I'm going to start the next best thing. And it never, ever works out. And, you know, the proof is in the pudding. Things are working out because of that vision, because of his dedication and because of his love to, for the sport. You had a great match against uh, Cody for the TNT championship. Big, high-profile match uh, on TNT. Talk about that match because it was tremendous. I liked the match. Um, did I watch that? I don't remember if I watched it or not. <laughs> so, so pause. How many of your matches do you actually go back and watch? Right. Uh, not a lot of them. Yeah. Not a lot. Because it's, uh, it's I, interesting to see how many people, like, I, I think once you're earlier in your career, you definitely go back. But I think as you become more comfortable with who you are as a wrestler and what you're capable of, I think people just generally just don't watch it, which is it's a really interesting thing. When you're early in your career, you have to watch because you that's obviously how you learn. Myself... Once you, once I, I've been doing it a long time, you know, and so a lot of times I know what I did wrong or I know what I did right. And, you know, also when you're in the moment, things feel different, you know, things tend to be a little bit more special than they are on, on video. And there are times where you have a match that, you, you know, when the crowd's rocking and, and, uh, you know, have all these emotions and then you go back and you rewatch it and it just doesn't quite capture that same feeling when you watch it back. So, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. Yeah, you know, I'd rather hear from the Jerry Lynns and the Dean Malinkos and and those types whether it was a good match or not, and I'll trust them over you know going back and rewatching. If they say it was good, then I'm happy with it. And and again, like I said, I, I've been doing it so long that I know if it was a good match or a bad match. A lot of times, I might watch my matches that I th- think are the absolute. Uh, I don't know. I can't probably can't say s words. Oh, you can say whatever the hell you well, want. I can say it. Okay, yeah, yeah. I shit, piss, fuck. More, you can say it all. <laughs> I would probably watch my matches that more are the more the shits than the good ones because I want to go back and and just see is it as bad as I think it is and usually it's not as bad as I think it is but uh, you know probably bad <laughs> so I'll watch my bad ones the good ones if it was good that's cool I'm happy so how do you feel about your match with Cody then um, Cody is always spectacular you know Cody is is he's where he's at for a reason I think this is the the last few years are the best specifically, you know, in AEW actually has been the best run of his entire career. He's really at the top of his game. He's unbelievable. Myself, I would probably give a six out of 10 in that match. Damn. I think I could have been so much better. I wish we had more time. You know, obviously it's tough with TV. That's actually why I would have rather had the match at the pay-per-view. I was hoping I knew the match was coming when it was coming. Uh, because my record was too good. <laughs> and so I knew it was going to happen. I was hoping it would happen at a pay-per-view where we can get, you know, 17, 18, 20 minutes, 25 minutes. I think we could have told an incredible story, but it's tough when it's TV. And so I, I would have liked to have more time. But aside from that, I would have liked to be a little bit better myself. And I don't think I was anywhere near my best in that match. And so hopefully one day I'll get to wrestle Cody again in a, in a profiled match and we can have the one that we're supposed to have. But I think it was pretty good. Next, we're going to talk about the early days of Scorpio Sky before he became part of AEW on AEW Unrestricted. 
This is AEW Unrestricted. Tony and Aubrey talking to Mr. Scorpio Sky, podcast host, wrestler extraordinaire, the one and only. Talk a little bit about your time in AEW, but I want to go back to before. You originally started as a masked wrestler. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> why, why the mask? I was trained by uh, a guy named Ron Rivera. He wrestled as American Wild Child, and he was more of the Lucha style. And the company I started with was called Revolution Pro, which was a company in Southern California, no connection to the one in the UK. And most of the wrestlers were masked. It was a very like Japanese slash Lucha Libre style company out here in SoCal. And, uh, you know, I was training, 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 and there was no discussion of it. But when it came close to when I was going to make my debut, my trainer said, I think we should start you with a mask. And then a couple of years later, we can take it off and go from there. I was like, oh, cool. That's great. And so that's actually part of where the name came from because, you know, there aren't too many masked wrestlers that wrestle under their like real name. Like you don't see masked guys named Ben, you know, what should we call it? You know, like (laughs) with just real names. And so uh, when I was training, my trainer thought I resembled too cold Scorpio because at the time I had like the ponytail, same ponytail that he had. And so he would just call me Scorpio. So I didn't know what to wrestle as when it was like the day before my first match. And He's like, why don't we just call you Scorpio Sky and then we'll change it later. I was hmm. like, cool. That sounds good. I just never changed it. <laughs> don't fix what ain't broken. Right. Uh, you also have a background in MMA, correct? That is right. Tell, tell us about that. I had four MMA fights. I went three and one. Should have been four and oh. Uh, the last one was a, was a, um, a split decision that uh, I think uh, I should have won. But, you know, it was close. It was a really close fight. It was a good fight. And uh, I, were, I was actually going to have more MMA fights. I had probably three others lined up, but the problem is guys get hurt, guys drop out of fights. And when you train for say six weeks and you're, lo- you're cutting weight and, and you're, you know, which is one of the most, it's one of the most miserable things you can be a part of, you know, just weight cutting is the worst dieting and, and that sort of thing. And you're, so you're training for six weeks and you're cutting weight and then you find out oh, a week or two before the fight, oh, the guy pulled out. Why? Well, we don't know. You can't do the fight. You got anybody else for me? Oh, no, nobody at your weight. If you want to go up two weight classes, we can do that. Well, I'm not going to fight guys that are 215 pounds when I'm, you know, cutting down to 170. It's it's like, uh, so, you know, that just got to be frustrating along with doing it while wrestling, which is two completely different types of training. I just decided to go fully towards wrestling. But I did, you know, four again, four MMA fights, and I had several uh, Muay Thai kickboxing competitions that I was part of. And it was a lot of fun. I love combat sports. Always wanted to go back to it. I just never got a chance because this dang wrestling thing started working. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever see yourself maybe potentially going back? Um, you know, it would have to be for the right situation. You know, if the right situation presented itself, then yeah, I always felt like, you know, I was always six weeks away. No matter how long I took off, I was always like, yeah, six weeks, I can get in shape. And I can be ready to fight. I can right knock all the rest off and I'll be whoever they put in front of me. Six weeks. It might take more than six weeks now after several years off. But, you know, uh, again, yeah, if the right opportunity presents itself, I would love to fight again, whether it be boxing, kickboxing, or, um, you know, mixed martial arts specifically. Scorpio Sky, uh, Christopher Daniels, and Frankie Gazarian are SCU. How did SCU come together, Sky? I've known Christopher Daniels and... Frankie Kazarian, my entire career, they were SoCal guys, obviously. And when you were in the wrestling scene in Southern California and you were coming up, 
you always looked at Frankie Kazarian and, and Christopher Daniels and you thought like, okay, those are the guys I want to be like because they got out. of It's weird. It's like a bubble out here uh, where like you just kind of get overlooked by the rest of the world, um, strangely enough. And so those were the two guys or two of the guys that broke out and and they were, you know, in impact and, and different play uh, companies and, and people knew who they were. And so you'd look and you say, okay, I want to be like those guys. Fortunately, I was able to meet them in Pro Wrestling Guerrilla very early in my career, probably a year or two in. And they were just always really nice and helpful to me when I tried to uh, work for Impact years later. Again, they were really helpful. And, 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 you know, they carried it over to Ring of Honor as well. And so once I started working with Ring of Honor, they just kind of took me under their wing and I was riding with them anyway. And I found out they wanted a third guy because... Uh, they wanted to form a trio and go after the ROH uh, six man tag team championships, whatever it was. And so it was like, well, you're a SoCal guy, you're riding with us. It, it makes a lot of sense. We're all very similar. Why don't we do it? And I thought it was a great idea. I was very much on board with it to be able to ride with those guys, learn from them. And I think it's no coincidence that I have become the performer I am now that, you know, I've been under their wing and they just make me better every day. How did the, uh, worst town bit come to be again uh just in the van you know it was <laughs> us and the young bucks riding show to show going town to town and we were always we always had you know when you come from southern california your flight to the east coast is always bad there's always a layover there's always you know it's always overnight and you're exhausted you know a lot about that yeah coming i feel from, you i go you corner know, to corner every other week so i feel exactly you. it's it's miserable and so by the time we get to the van we're all miserable and we're in some bumfuck town and and we're just talking shit about it and eventually matt jackson i believe was like i want to put you guys on bt and i want you to just do that and then you know just yell at SCU at the end of it and we'll call it a day <laughs> we're like cool and so i kind of said hey why don't you, Frankie and, and Christopher Daniels, you guys be creative and come up with the cool lines. And I'll just say the same thing every time. This is the oh. worst town I've ever been in. <laughs> you got the and, easy part. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I that's it popped into my head right away. And I thought to myself, I was like, you know, if it gets over, we can put it on a T-shirt maybe. And, you know, flash forward, we've sold, you know, 30,000 of those T-shirts or whatever. It is. Like, yeah. How many variations of that shirt have you had? Yeah, it's it, that shirt has done very, very well for me, and that 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 catchphrase really kind of helped change my career. Oddly enough, you said uh, that you guys, uh, you know, you come out to the east and you're miserable. It, it's good to know that everybody from the out west, a bunch of miserable pricks, including yeah. got a miserable bitch like uh, yep. Aubrey that comes out every week. So it's good to know yep. that. But it's okay, you rub off on me, <laughs> Tony. Tony, Tony I hit the East Coast. Tony is so funny to me because uh, he's like the nicest human being, right? And and then, but then he'll say stuff like that. Yeah. But he's still delivering it in a really nice, like tone. Like it's I'm so getting just, shit on, like, but I feel really good about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. It's like, hey guy, how you doing, man? Your match really sucked. Good to see you. We'll see you later. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. Go fuck you, uh, yourself. Keep, keep working hard. I know you won't. Uh, <laughs> So what did uh, BTE, being the elite, do for SCU? It made SCU. Uh, the, the audience is so loyal. The people that watch Being the Elite every single week are so loyal. They, they really buy in on what you do. They love you. They support you. They buy your shirts. They, they come to meet and greets. They meet you when those existed. 
I couldn't be where I'm at today without being the elite. And that is a 100% shoot. That show made me, you know, my, my career was, I was, I was at a point before I started working with ring of honor and then doing being the elite where I was just basically ready to quit because it was just like, this isn't working. I was working so hard and it just wasn't working. Unfortunately, I got a break with ring of honor and then to be on being the elite that took me to the next level, as well as Frankie and Chris, those guys were obviously already, you know, they're legends, but being elite kind of reinvigorated them as well. And uh, it just made us all into the names we are. And obviously that leads to AEW. You had mentioned before that you're a big Bret Hart mark. Was he sort of the guy that got you into wrestling and made you want to be a wrestler? He wasn't the guy that got me into wrestling uh, because I I was always a wrestling fan. I can't even remember when I started watching it. I started watching it so young, but he was definitely the first one that resonated with me and captured my imagination beyond anyone else. And it was very, I was very young, maybe, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years old when I said, okay, I want to be like Bret Hart. I want to be Bret Hart, you know? And, And I remember like walking to school and like, doing the Bret Hart walk. And they're like, they're, I'd walk past like bushes that had like leaves that would stick out. And I'd like slap the the leaves, like Bret Hart slapping, fans. <laughs> slapping hands with the fans, you know, like I'd pretend like I'm walking to the ring. Yeah. People probably thought I was just weird. Like, what is this guy doing? Uh, but I was really hates bushes. I was just such a fan. Still, still, I, I, I go back and I, I will, I will, will still watch some of his match. I watch a lot of old wrestling. Um, and and a lot of it is Bret Hart because he was so like everything he did was so like precise. I mean, they called him the excellence of execution for a reason. His his execution on everything was so crisp and so sharp and he didn't do a lot. And, you know, that's kind of where my style is coming from these days. You know, I don't do the flips and the high flying things that I used to do. I'm more of a technically based. I want to like like Bret Hart could hit someone with a European uppercut and it looks so good that it's just like, ooh, OK, like. I don't really need to see him flip over the top rope. I, I just want to see him hit people with forearms and stuff. So, you know, I love that hard hitting technical style. I wish that would come back into more popularity in, in wrestling that just hard hitting technical style where it's two guys and it, and it feels like a fight. You know, it tends to be a little bit too much like flipping around stuff nowadays that I'm not, uh, you know, crazy about. I think it is, you know, it's cool, but you know, I always just try to be different and, and Brett was a guy that I always can look back and say, like, well, what would, you know, what what's something Brett does that I can steal and uh, use myself? <laughs> Nothing stealing. It's just whoever made it most popular recently. Well, that, that is true. There yeah. you go. And you were a, a you were a big Sting fan as well, weren't you growing up? Oh, of course. Yeah. I, love, I mean, I, like everyone loves Sting growing up, you know, I mean, you had the, the face paint and the bleach blonde hair and the, you know, and then obviously when he became the vision of sting that we see today, obviously he was like the coolest guy in the world. I was a huge WCW fan in general, uh, growing up and, and seeing sting. And I, I remember watching it live the first time they, they had sting in the Raptors with the crow on his arm. And, and, you know, I think it was like clash of the champions or something and just huge, huge fan. So how was it? Uh, have you uh, had a chance to meet him yet? No, I haven't met him actually. I, I think, you know, maybe like a hello here and there or whatever, but um, I haven't really seen him too much. You, you know how it is backstage. Everybody's kind of running around doing things. It's busy. Um, so, yeah, no, I haven't really met him. I'm sure I will at some point. 
We're talking with Scorpio Sky here on AEW Unrestricted. Pretty soon we're going to get to fan questions, my favorite part. Oh, boy. This is AEW Unrestricted. Aubrey and Tony sitting here with Scorpio Sky. We've got quite a few fan questions because Scorpio Sky is quite a popular individual, despite what he may think. I did not know that. (laughs) I did not know that. My question that's been like eating at me that I really wanted to know is how many pair of Jordans do you have? Oh, man. I don't even know. Like I've lost count of shoes. I've literally lost count. I'm I'm getting ready to move in a couple of months. And part of the reason is I've just got way too many shoes. I've got no room. <laughs> you need you need a room just for your shoes. I might do a shoe room. Very okay. close. I'm very very much thinking about it. I was just gonna say, man, aftermarket value for Jordans is still pretty high. So if you need need a couple mortgage payments. I like to wear them, man. Uh, that's the thing. Like I, I you know, a lot of people just collect them and they'll just keep them in the box and that sort of thing. I'm not that guy, man. If I'm going to buy a cool pair of shoes, I want to wear them. As a matter of fact, though, I will say this. I'm going to take at least 75 to 80% credit for the sneaker culture in AEW. I literally take- own Jordans because of you and Britt. And I think I told you this. Like, I was yeah. so upset that Double or Nothing wasn't in Vegas because I had like birthday money I'd set aside. Yeah. And my plan was to ask Scorpio and Britt to take me to the Nike store and buy my first pair of Jordans. Oh, and it didn't yeah, that happen. Been sweet. That it would have been sweet. Would have been wonderful. And I got Brit into it. So, you know, again, that's why I would say I'm taking 75%. The Young Bucks are up there too, though. I mean, they, oh. those guys, they, you know, they come out with some fire. Brit comes out with fire. She's blowing me away every week. And so, yeah, I'm just, I love seeing everybody showing up with their cool kicks. I just got a new pair. So I'm going to have to show you when we're at work next week. Oh, heck yeah. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. All right. Now we can actually get to fan questions. L- let me <laughs> follow up with this real quickly. Do you have a favorite pair of your 10,000 pairs of shoes that you own? <laughs> uh, I don't have a favorite pair. Uh, Jordan one is my favorite shoe in general though. Okay. And, and I have just in Jordan one alone, I probably have something like 25 of them just in different colors. Mm. That seems about That's right. my favorite shoe. Best shoe ever. All right. It's an amazing shoe. Great profile. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll bring hitting with the questions. <laughs> Surfer dude on Twitter. What did the Philly show episode three of dynamite mean to you? When you and Kazarian tagged and you wrestled with no shoes on, where does it stand in relation to your overall career? It's funny because Philadelphia always seems to be a special town, I guess, for everybody. You know, things when Frankie and I won the so actually going back before that, my the match where I really sealed the deal and got my my deal with Ring of Honor took place in in Philadelphia. That was kind of the match where everyone uh, was like, okay. We need to keep. We need to keep this guy. And Nick Jackson getting on the mic and demanding them sign me is is was a little bit of help. Um, <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> like hurt. Right after the match, he's like, "You guys got to sign this guy." Definitely <laughs> and, uh, doesn't hurt. <laughs> then Frankie and I won the tag team championship in ROH in Philly. I've had several matches in Philly that were special, and then that match obviously stands out above all of them. Again, in the moment, I didn't even know it was going to be a special match. I was actually upset because the finish got messed up in the match. And so I went to the back. I remember that. Yeah. I was just, I was on cloud zero. As I was just like, oh man, like I completely forgot all about the throwing the shoe in the crowd. They throw it back and all that sort of thing and blah, 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 blah. (laughs) You know, it's just, I had, I was just like, oh, I can't believe like everything was going so well. And it just, oh no. But now I look back at, you know, as a professional and I'm just like, oh, you could see that I was upset after that match and, and I shouldn't have shown it. Yeah, I shouldn't have shown my cards, but 
you know, whatever, live and learn. Irish fan NC. That's Irish fan NC on Twitter to you, Scorpio. If you could book your own AEW pay-per-view match, who would you like it to be against? That's tough. I would have to say Cody or Pac. Oh, you and Pac would be dope. Yeah, you and Pac would be good. Yeah. I'd love to wrestle Pack. So you've wrestled Pack before, or have you? Never, never. never. Ooh, we're gonna He's have to amazing. text Tony. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got a booking idea. <laughs> Here's a program. Make it happen. <laughs> oh, I'd love that. Oh man. Oh, dude. King of the North on Twitter. I'd love to hear about this massive clusterfuck of a match. If you remembers anything about it, World War Three, 159 man battle royal. Yes. What What is this about? <laughs> so. They had the idea uh, they wanted to put on the biggest battle royal in wrestling history, and they wanted it to go in the Guinness Book of World Records. So they, they gathered, I believe it was three rings, and they did this show, and they called as many wrestlers as they can possibly get to be a part of it. I wrestled a match earlier in the card and then was in the battle royal, and I, was, I won the battle royal. What I just recently found out was apparently they forgot to call Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> and so it didn't even actually get registered, which I don't know how that happens because the whole reason they're doing it is to get into Guinness book of world records. So that's just, that's a little important thing that I think they have to like have a representative out there for it to actually like count. Yeah, they were supposed to, if they didn't call them, they're not going to get someone out there, but I know there was someone that was counting at the entrance. Okay. As some people got the other thing that upsets me about it, because it probably really is the biggest battle royal like ever. So it's kind of cool that I want it. But 159 men, like we couldn't just get one more person to make in the nice 160. Like that always kind of pissed me off. I'm like, like we couldn't just like grab a fan and put them in it or something. (laughs) We couldn't get 160. Really? (laughs) It really sounds like wrestling when you say, oh, you guys forgot to get in touch with Guinness. Yeah, it's pretty much the most wrestling thing I've ever heard. Something completely disorganized. Someone forgot the most important bit right at the very end. (laughs) Oh, shit. Yeah, okay. My bad. We'll do it next time (laughs) when we do 160. It kind of reminds me on another level of uh, Shockmaster and his uh, getup that day. We got to the building. Did you get Shockmaster's uniform? No. Did anybody? No. You know he's going to be on TV tonight? Fuck! (laughs) (laughs) so and that began that so that anyway that is a great wrestling thing aubrey you're up next sweet surfs up kenta on twitter did you ever think about keeping the mask and if so how different do you think your career would have been if you had what's with all the surfing names i don't know man (laughs) california california oh so cal peeps oh yeah what's up uh okay (laughs) Once I, I, I never had like a plan of losing it and yada, yada, yada. But at one point I was in Japan for Osaka Pro and I was wrestling and their two top stars, their guy's name were, was Billy Kin Kid, excellent wrestler and Tiger's Mask, another great wrestler. Uh, before one of the shows, they pulled me aside and they said, please, no mask. Uh, and I was like, why, why, why? And they said, and they said, good look, very good look, no mask. And I was like, Okay, so that's when I started thinking about, okay, maybe I'll lose a mask. The idea I had was, though, I never wanted to actually officially lose it because I wanted to have the idea, the, the, the ability to go back to it. 
And so this was in around 2004, 2005. And so we had a match where basically it was a tag title match and it was masks versus titles. And what happened was my partner got injured during the match, had to go to the back. I had to fight by myself. I ended up getting a roll up and winning the match. But because I was outnumbered, they jumped me out to the match. I was bleeding and they took my mask off anyway. So <gasps> by by the the legendary rules, I didn't officially lose the mask, so I could go back to it. However, I was unmasked. And the idea behind it was to wrestle unmasked most of the time and then in big matches bring back the mask. Kind of like the way, like, say, I guess nowadays, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this, but the way like Finn Balor will become like the demon king. Yeah, yeah. That's the best way I can describe it. So I, I had the idea yeah, back then where I wanted to kind of like yeah, put the mask on for big matches when I wanted to go to the next level. But I just never did it. It just never happened. And uh, obviously, I couldn't. I've, I've thought about it again uh, in the last few years, honestly. But obviously, I couldn't do it now because that gimmick's already done. And uh, I'm so far removed from the mask. I don't even think people, if I put it on, people would be like, what the hell? Like, what are they doing? Who you is know? this guy? Yeah. Why would you cover this up? <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> yes. Thank you for taking off the mask, Scorpio. <laughs> Okay, Dave, on Twitter uh, says, uh, did you enjoy working on MTV's Wrestling Society X? Any stories you can tell from that experience? I did enjoy it. That was my first bite at the apple when it, come to t when it came to TV. And then I learned that later on when I started doing actual wrestling TV, I learned that it was nothing like that. It was insane. It, the show was basically run by MTV directors that knew nothing about wrestling. And so it was just like we would do crazy stuff like, we would have to rest. I remember at one point, Matt Seidel and I had to wrestle our entire match that we were going to have on TV earlier in the day, full bumps and everything, just so the cameraman knew to how to catch everything. They wanted to make sure that the cameraman didn't miss anything. So they were like, we want you to do the match right here, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning, full bumps. We can't walk through any bumps. It's full bumps just so we can make sure that the cameraman catch everything. And then when you do it for the show, do it exactly like this. If you're going to hit that rope, hit that rope, yada, yada, yada. And so that was crazy. What but the hell? being a kid and finally making a little bit of money and, you know, living off wrestling for a little bit, I was having a blast. We were at a really nice hotel that like, I think like one of the nights at the bar, Leonardo DiCaprio was there. And I remember Derek Jeter pulling up right in front. Like we were at the outside bar and then Derek Jeter pulls up in this limo and he gets out and, and he's like right here. And my stupid ass is like, Derek Jeter. And, and he's like, hey, how's it going? I shook his hand and I said, Scorpio Sky. I don't know why. I did <laughs> you clearly know who I am. <laughs> I used to wear a mask, you might remember. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. Like, I think like Lindsay Lohan was also at the bar. Like it was, it was a really nice uh, hotel. Sup, Jeets. I will say this. This is one little story that I think <laughs> that sucks is again crazy nice hotel you can only valet park so one of the days i went out to go to the show put my ticket in and like uh, like a bentley coupe pulls up who's this for oh this this guy yeah and then like a ferrari pulls up who's this for uh it's this guy and then a ford focus with a flat tire pulls up who's this for i'm like that's me i i don't know why the tire's flat though and that was kind of embarrassing. <laughs> That's a very that. indie wrestling thing. <laughs> There's levels. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last fan question. Ghost X Empire on Twitter. What are your favorite and least favorite foods? Favorite 
foods, tacos, pizza. Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. Um, <laughs> tacos, pizza. I love cheeseburgers. I love sushi. Uh, and then my least favorite food would be, I don't really know if I have a least favorite food. I don't really like mushrooms. So mushrooms aren't <gasps> anything really. We were yeah. friends. Not anymore. <laughs> we're not friends. I thought it was mushrooms, huh? Nope. I'll Sorry. learn to like mushrooms if our friendship's on the line. That's Deal. <laughs> wow, that's extreme. <laughs> very, very strong opinions about mushrooms. Vegan foods oh. all contain mushrooms, so you're basically like starving if you don't like oh, them. Oh, okay. I understand yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So anyway. <laughs> Tony like, yeah, these fucking guys. <laughs> so how do you like your tacos? <laughs> Aubrey with mushrooms? No, that's gross. Tony, what are you talking about? <laughs> hey, Scorpio, thanks for your time, man. And uh, we appreciate you being with us. We appreciate how good of a guy you are backstage because you are. And it's always a joy to see you and talk to you. And uh, I'm going to make sure you and Sting connect and he can talk to you a little bit because uh, – I think you can learn a lot from him, and I think he would appreciate you uh, because of the person that you are. So Aww. thanks for being with us, buddy. Thank you so much for that. And, Tony, you know what a huge, huge fan I am. I've told you in the past and how excited – I cannot explain how excited I was when you came on board. I remember talking to Conrad uh, at the very beginning of AEW, and be this was obviously far before you came on board, or right. that I knew of at least – and just telling him, God, I wish we had Tony Schiavone. Like, yeah, he, you know, I, I listen to you guys at our podcast, and his voice is still great, and and he's still, you know, he looks great, and 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 he's just he's so so good. And when you came on board, you know, it was to have my my matches called by Tony Schiavone is a very very special thing that I do not take for granted. Well, and then you. obviously Aubrey, you know how I feel about you, you know, um, from the very first time we, we worked together, I thought you were phenomenal. Aww. One of the best in the business and a great person as well. And before we send you off, tell us where we can listen to uh, wrestling with the week. Yes. Wrestling with the week. Uh, we are on every major podcast platform. It's going to be, it's, it's, it's video and audio. So please uh, subscribe, listen, uh, look me up on Instagram and Twitter at Scorpio Sky. Please also follow the Wrestling with the Week Instagram page, which is WWTWPOD. And um, on with the horses. I don't know. On with the races. I don't know what that means. Yeah. It drops every Monday, correct? Every week. Yes, every week. Monday. Mondays. 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 That's, that's better than coffee on Mondays, man. Nothing's better than coffee. You're right. Except Wrestling with the Week. I shouldn't have hey! said that. What am I, doing? <laughs> I love coffee, though. Coffee's so good, man. Oh, so good. All right. Thank you, Scorpio. It's a pleasure Thanks, having guys. you. This is uh, AEW Unrestricted with Aubrey and Tony. Tune in to AEW Dynamite every Wednesday, 8, 7 Central. Listen to all episodes of AEW Unrestricted wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you like and subscribe so you can listen to all of our ads about shaving your balls and car insurance. And oh, yeah, it's real. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. <laughs> okay.